It's the Sleepers Podcast, Friday, July 21st. Happy Friday, everybody, and we have some horrible news at the top of the show. Carter Elliott has slept through his alarm. Uh, This is rumored as the second consecutive time this has happened on a Riley Friday, although last week he did end up making the show. We just started about 10 to 15 minutes late. Today, we are 15 minutes past when we said we would click record. Carter is not here. He has not texted. Uh, So I don't know. For those at home that did bet on over under 12 and a half shows that we did collectively in a row, does this count as a miss, Riley? Or does this count as a hit that Carter's not here, but the show still goes on? See, I think it still counts as a hit. Um, I'm not going to let Carter mess up your streak, Greg. I'm not going to... Not going to let him do the well, I really don't want him to let Tristan Freeman win is what it comes down to, because Tristan's the one who's kind of been, you know, preying on the the downfall of the daily schedule. So, but hey, good thing you got a guest today and we make it go on. Yeah, in in Carter's place today is Riley Davis, the aforementioned Riley Fridays. On Fridays, we bring on Riley Davis from Heat Check. He gets to pick the topics. He doesn't tell us what those topics are. And then we talk about whatever Riley wants. Last week, we got some Wimbledon and a couple uh, North Carolina-ish segments mixed in. Riley is a Tar Heel. So there's a lot of ways this could go, a lot of places this could go today. I'm very excited for it. And of course, uh, if and when Carter decides to join us, we will welcome him with open arms into the show. We're not going to shun our boy cat. So uh, I have about 45 minutes to get this entire episode done. If Carter magically appears, we'll welcome him into the room. It might be a little clunky, folks, but uh, you can probably come to expect clunkiness from the Sleepers podcast. Let's jump right into comments from yesterday's show. Uh, Riley, it looks like we have 14 of these. Normally, I throw to cart. I'm going to throw to you today for your input on all of these, starting with on brand, a North Carolina, Michigan comment from Zachary Stewart 3951 he says I watched the Michigan North Carolina 2019 game as well it seems like Michigan used to have such better energy and juice back then compared to what we have now the vibes around this team haven't been good since Liver's senior year do you get that sense as an outsider Riley I don't want to necessarily say they haven't been good since then. I think you had a nice little elite eight run in there with a Dickinson's freshman year that team was pretty disgusting when Franz was sort of that dude when it when he was you know one of the best defenders in the country and also like running the offense um well maybe you don't think they they featured him enough on offense based on what he's done for the magic but that specific game in 2019 I just remember Leaky Black who I said last week is one of my favorite Tar Heels and who I will defend to the death he got in the face of Charles Matthews and that did not go super well for him, which it was like a freshman 18 year old leaky black stepping to 23 year old Charles Matthews, who it seemed to flip some sort of switch. Cause I, yeah, you probably remember Gregory, but uh, Michigan won that game by like 20. It was, it was not a good night for me. Yeah. When I saw that it was on, I, I flipped it on as well thinking like, Oh, I remember Michigan won this game big. And then I watched the first 10 minutes and North Carolina was like having their way with Michigan and mm-hmm. all these young dudes are flying around. And th- like, Obviously, it doesn't matter what happened in this game because Carolina went on, I believe, to make the national championship game that year, right? Uh, no, we were a one seed, but lost in the Sweet 16. Oh, okay. Great was, season, but yeah. It was mixed in there in between championship mm-hmm. appearances, I believe. Um, right. Yeah, Michigan was great. That team was awesome. They lost in the Sweet 16 as well that year. That was the Iggy Brezdakis year, mm. year where they looked like the number one team in the country, and then they got swept by Michigan State in the final month of the season. It just totally threw them off. Uh, fun times was my takeaway. Like there were so many fun players on the court. There aren't many fun players on the court now. Now I just have Doug McDaniel. So I don't know if I would call that like a vibes or a culture thing. It was definitely like a beeline recruited good players thing and often under the radar players that you would come to love because they got better. Whereas John Howard recruits pros and uh, mid-major up transfers who aren't very good. I'm not loving those vibes right now, but uh, we can't give Hunter Dickinson credit for anything for the record. So (laughs) we don't count that Elite Eight run that he had. That never happened. I know more than you said Purdue had a very favorable Big Ten schedule last year. They won't be able to run away with the conference this year. I hate that argument in general. I just want to say like, yeah, sure. Sometimes schedule comes into play. By and large, it doesn't in a 20 game schedule. And more importantly, Purdue won the conference by multiple games. It wasn't like a close toss up type thing. They won the big 10 tournament as well. They were clearly the highest ranked, highest rated team by any metric you could possibly find. 
And there is no such thing as an unfavorable Big Ten schedule. It's the Big Ten. They could play the best four teams five times each, and it's an easy schedule last season because the Big Ten stunk. Is that fair to say, Riley? Yeah, I mean, I know kind of off camera, off the record, we've had a good time clowning Purdue over the past year. I I still think it is, it is I champion those who make fun of them for losing to a 16 seed. I feel like that doesn't get talked about enough because Virginia did it first, and it, it seems like, <laughs> You know, people talked about it the, that day of the tournament for maybe like an hour or two. And it's like, all right, this is a crazy tournament. Let's move on to the next. And I'm like, we still got jokes to get off at Purdue's expense. Uh, you know, I bet even within Purdue, they're saying, yeah, you should clown us for this. And we're about to, you know, everybody wants that redemption, every, the, the redemption arc. Everybody wants to use the Virginia story as motivation. So I'm like, they're probably they're probably fired up by it. We as media can definitely clown them for it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I hate the the argument about strength of schedule. I think a, a, a regular season championship is a regular season championship. Um, as someone whose team UNC has specialized really throughout the Roy Williams era at winning regular season conference titles over conference tournament titles, and you know, obviously Duke Duke is more into winning conference tournaments. There's sort of that that uh that extra tension between UNC and Duke fans to where I'm always gonna I'm gonna cape for those who win regular season titles. I loved the the animosity in your voice when you flipped to well, they like tournament titles. <laughs> like heck, that's clearly less important than regular season titles. For the record, I think that's correct. I think regular season titles are more impressive. Uh, unfortunately for everybody in the Big Ten, Purdue got both of those last year. I was present yeah. for both of those last year. They were the best team by far. Uh, would Chase, you rather have a I'm sorry to interrupt, but would you good. rather have would you rather see Michigan, you know, kind of come in as like a four or five seed and just rip off four hot days and win a Big Ten tournament title like they did the uh, in 2018, the airport, the the airplane incident year? Or would you rather them, them be like maybe not necessarily like Purdue level of winning the, the Big Ten regular season by multiple games, but like a semi comfortable lead for the regular season? I think it's regular season. Um uh, look, as a fan, both are very special, right? Like you remember them fondly and having a nice mix of those memories differentiates between the years. So it's fun to have that variation. But I think almost across the board, like the regular season title, even if it's just by one game, whatever the circumstances are, I don't care. That usually means your team is better than like, oh, they got hot at the right time and getting hot at the right time matters. We've seen it happen. Like UConn went from a four seed in last year's tournament to, oh my God, they're clearly the best team in the country because of three good weeks. But um, I, like it, most fun. Yeah, the plane crash thing was fun, especially because Maverick Morgan from Illinois came out and called us white collar. And then we just destroyed them in practice jerseys 20 minutes later. Like that was an all timer moment. And also that team was like Derek Walton and Zach Irvin were like underappreciated dudes mm -hmm. who had been around for four years. So um, something special about that. There was never a moment where I was like, this team is better than any of the Michigan teams that won regular right. season titles. So. Uh, moving on, Chase T65012 says, who's a player on Michigan you think will surprise this year? You want to take a shot at that one or you want me to take that? I mean, I was just going to say, yo-yo, I want to see what Yusuf Kayak can do this year. And correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, but it looks like there's minutes on the wing for yo-yo to kind of shine a little bit more this year. I'm, I'm guessing I'll probably see his time split between the three and the four. I would guess usually those dudes who kind of come in with like his size, who were sort of like the the swingmen between the three and the four, end up being true fours a lot more than they can, you know, guard threes who can be anywhere from like I don't know six four, six seven in height and quickness, like in the Big Ten. But yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do this year. I hope that you're right with that answer. Yo-Yo is a guy uh, I want to be careful and bite my tongue because I got bit last off season. I traded in all my Kobe Bufkin stock. Like I, I hit a point from being Kobe Buffkin's biggest fan to like, what if this dude's just not good? And I was wrong. Um, and, and then now I look really stupid in hindsight. Yo, yo, I was like very high on him. Last year was about as disastrous as it could go. He didn't beat out Jace Howard, among others, in the rotation. Uh, he did not make a field goal from two point range his entire freshman year. And he made, I forget, like maybe six or seven threes on the year. That was it. Um I I don't think Michigan is hoping he's in a big role. That's the one thing I would mm -hmm. say. Like they're they're rumored they're trying to get Jose Perez. That sounds like it's gone south because Jose Perez thinks he's one of the five best players in the country based on price point, which is crazy. 
Uh, but I'm a little scared. Like they, they're trying actively to just make sure Yo-Yo doesn't have a big role again. Whereas last year with Kobe, it was like, we're not getting a shooting guard. We have our shooting guard. So we'll see. They might be forced into that. And if that happens, a wide range of outcomes could come. But I'm rooting for that for the record because I want to see what they got in Yo-Yo. My answer has to just be Doug McDaniel. I don't know if that counts as a surprise because everybody sees it coming. But uh, I think there is a world where Doug is an all Big Ten player this year. And he's really the only guy on the team I would say that about. Connor Hope, our boy, he check says, I always knew Greg was a smart one. Hating the Elam ending is just another notch on the belt. Well, first of all, comparatively to Carter, it's not very difficult to be the smart one. He wanted to take an ACT against me yesterday. Crazy insinuation from him. Riley, where do you stand on the Elam ending? I'm very curious here. Uh, for one, I thought you were... <laughs> I thought you're heading toward another fat joke with a notch on the belt when, <laughs> as soon as you mentioned Carter. <laughs> He's not around here to defend himself. Uh, secondly, I don't care about the Elam ending. I don't care about TBT. I, the fact that I saw so many people tweeted about it and was getting texts about it yesterday, like on one of our group threads, I, I just, I immediately ignored those. I'm like, I can't believe y'all are actually watching this. This does not entertain me. I know Cart says that he likes to watch and that he feels like he's one of the few. And yeah, I would say that's accurate. He's one of the few. Yeah, based on us centering our entire show yesterday around TBT and the numbers of listens and views we got comparatively to the other eight days we've done this show, I don't think anybody cares about TBT. So uh, <laughs> moving on, Neil Stuckey, 9896, said, who is on your preseason Big Ten all-freshman team? Any dark horse freshman you think will surpass expectations? We were talking a little bit about this before we click record, Riley. There are a surprising number of names that uh, you you might say like, oh, there, it doesn't feel like there's a ton. Then you start to list them out and it's like there actually is a lot of talent coming in. Who do you like? Give us one of two names. Uh, Deshaun Harris Smith or is it Deshaun Smith Harris? I always mix up the two last names. Uh, I believe I believe it's DHS Harris Smith. DHS, Deshaun Harris Smith. Uh, the reason why I can't remember is because I mainly, you know, I haven't really watched a ton of his high school film or anything. And uh, I really was just impressed by him watching clips of him at Peach Jam a year ago. So uh, memory was a little hazy on the last name there. Don't come at me, Terps fans. But he just seemed like the kind of dude who he can kind of do it all on the floor as like an undersized three. I uh, love the way he rebounds for his size. He can handle the ball. And, you know, I think that there is just a pretty good opportunity for him to be able to emerge right next to Jameer Young. Like, I don't know if Maryland's necessarily bringing back any other backcourt studs. Like, that's, that's a clear-cut par pairing. Yeah, I think that's going to be two guys playing 32 minutes every single night. Um, to an extent, I, I kind of have made this comp before. I don't think they play exactly like each other, but I think you could see a Jalen hood Shafino like year from Harris Smith, and it's not just because they have apostrophes in their names. <laughs> I, I Like, hood Shafino started the year as the Robin to, for lack of a better word, Xavier Johnson's Batman in the backcourt. Like... And TJD obviously did everything for that team, but he was kind of slowly brought along where it was just like, oh, we have this really talented piece. We don't know what to do with till by the end of the year, he's our point guard. And that was by necessity because Xavier Johnson was out. I don't expect Jameer Young to be out, but I do expect like that type of development to happen over the year where DHS goes from like a fun piece early who shows some things to every single night we're expecting 15 points a game from this guy mm -hmm. late in the season. And it's going to make that backcourt extremely potent. I'll give an under the radar name. Uh, this is one cart and I've talked about quite a lot. I love Scotty Middleton from Ohio state. Ohio state always has really good freshman classes. You can go back the last three, four years. They almost always have a one and done guy who is not like a no brainer one and done guy coming in. It's like a 25 to 50, 60 range recruit usually. Um, and it, the ones that do stick around end up good in their sophomore junior seasons as well. But Middleton, his game is so smooth offensively. He just, it, he feels like a three level scorer to me. I think there are some questions with the jump shots sometimes, but um, all in all, like I, I don't know of many recruits on the wing in the country, let alone in the big 10 that are this polished offensively. And I think it, that's a really good fit next to what Ohio state brings back in Gale and Bruce Thornton. Um, so I like Middleton. I've got my eyes on them. Everybody knows I'm high on Ohio State. For the record, for those keeping track at home, we did just get the text from Carter Elliott. He said, coming. I am an idiot. He is not in the room yet, but he may be joining the show shortly. So stay tuned. R. Johnson, 5370, says, will Michigan win any meaningful non-conference games this season? Probably not. 
I don't think they have a crazy schedule of meaningful non-conference games, but uh, I'm not expecting much from this team in general and definitely not early. That's my stance. Aiden Tree 3327 says, Greg, you can't drop that your two favorite movies are from Nolan and not say which two. Inception is probably my favorite film of all time. I go back and forth with like a definitive it's number one and just keeping it up there. And Dark Knight is a top five movie for sure for me as well. So I'm excited to see Oppenheimer. Cart saw it last night. I need to hear what he thinks of that. If he joins the show, maybe we'll get to ask him. <laughs> Do you care about movies, Riley? Do you care about Christopher Nolan? Yeah, I mean, I would say I care about movies. Um, <laughs> I enjoy movies. I will go see Oppenheimer. <laughs> Inception, I don't really share the same sentiment for you. I remember I think I saw it in the theaters when I was like 16 or 17 and fell asleep. Watched it a second time, thought it was pretty good, but haven't revisited since. However, I love The Dark Knight. So I'll, I'll give you that probably top 10 for me, maybe not top five, but no qualms for me on that one. You have some Joseph Gordon-Levitt vibes to you now that i'm looking hey, at you. I like see you that just, a little bit yeah i i like that i mean that is a compliment also my wife refers to joseph gordon levitt as joseph gordon love hewitt which is one of the funniest things on the planet for me easy in, rider a, <laughs> go a, ahead a jennifer love hewitt <laughs> reference yeah, just a nice it's not intentional like she thinks joseph gordon levitt's name is joseph gordon love hewitt and i laugh every single time easy rider 32 says bad take alert Greg's take on Trey Holloman is extra charm and soft. Trey was a rock solid defender last season and knew his role. He made almost zero mistakes, having a three to one assist to turnover ratio, which is basically all you can ask of a freshman backup PG. He was conservative on offense. As he gets a longer leash, you'll see that change. He's the number one three point shooter in Moneyball. He dropped 39 this week. You're drooling over Cohen Carr. The dude went two for 15 shooting on Tuesday, hasn't hit two free throws in a row all summer, blah, blah, blah. Foul take by G Wizzy. Okay, quickly. Uh, I don't think it is a foul take. I will I will stand by that. I think I'm just saying the the hard part to hear out loud. A turnover assist ratio for a guy who plays four minutes a game means nothing to me. Like credit to him when he was on the floor, he wasn't the primary point guard. Like I would hope that a guy who's trying to crack the rotation doesn't immediately come in and turn it over in his four minutes that he plays. Um, 39 points at Moneyball is great. Obviously, he's showing signs. Last year at Moneyball, he scored two points in a full Moneyball game and airballed six shots. So apparently, there are some strides being there. Maybe he will be better. I'm not saying he's not a rotation guy at some point at Michigan State. If I were him, and I'm sorry, but if I were him, I would have transferred already. Like, he's not going to play this year, and Jeremy Fears is better than him, and all three of the other guards are better than him. They all chose to come back, so... Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I'm willing to stake my claim that I'm not wrong. Riley, any thoughts? Do you care about Trey Holloman? For one, if if Trey Holloman played four minutes a game last year, I remember approximately zero of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on the Jeremy Fears train because he's someone who I remember watching like at Geico at the Geico Nationals when he was in high school. And I mean, he's the he's the kind of point guard who pops off the screen. I know he's not the biggest guy, but just has that pure true floor general feel to him you just look at him and know that's going to be an Izzo guy. Like, I, I think he's going to take those, those backup minutes behind Hogard or Tyson Walker, whoever you want to claim as your, as your one pretty quickly. And we now welcome Carter Elliott onto the show. Cartino. Good morning. We're mid comments reading right now. The show has already begun, so we're not even going to roast you that much. We're just going to move. Uh, we are currently talking about Trey Holloman, who easy rider 32 says that it's a bad take alert. And Trey's going to be very good at some point. Uh, he also, I skipped this line for some reason. It was my favorite line, though. Trey's stats are the same or better than A.J. Hogard's freshman year. <laughs> that I, is so I, I meaningless. That, I, I I just think that as Michigan State fans, you just hate to admit that a player just might not be, you know, that guy. Not every guy's going to be that guy. Not every guy's going to finish out a Spartan dog. Not every guy's going to, you know, be a guy who's going to be a main contributor to a basketball team. And that's okay. That's why the Pierre Brooks of the world's happen. That's why, you know, other guys don't finish their career as Spartans. And if Trey Holloman is getting major, major minutes in two years, that's probably a bad sign for Michigan State basketball, to be completely honest with you. Also, the bar for Michigan State, from what I've told us, it's Final Fours. The bar is not as good as A.J. Hogard. You just had the worst three-year stretch in Tom Izzo's tenure with A.J. Hogard and Malik Hall as centerpieces. The bar is not, can you be as good as those guys? I'm sorry. The bar is like, let's get back to Kalen Lucas. Okay? I think the favorite, uh, I think the favorite part of that comment was the 3-to-1. Was it 3-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio? 
Yeah. Yep. And the fact that Trey Holloman wasn't shooting, you you know, it's not that he can't. There's just a, there's a reason he doesn't shoot. I'm I'm sorry that he won't. There's a reason he doesn't shoot. It's because he can't. That's that's the reason. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know if people know that. Hey, uh, why don't we actually now take a moment to roast Carter for being 34 minutes late, though? Um, okay, Car- Car- what the what the hell happened? What happened? Uh, so I got back from the movie and I went down an Oppenheimer like wormhole. Like I was on Oppenheimer's Wikipedia page for at least two hours just reading about it. And I think I just put my phone down and just fell asleep. Did not set the alarm. Woke up, said, oh, my God, it's already eight o'clock. Hopped right on, hoping I could just hop right in. Uh, no excuse on my part, to be honest with you. That's just what happened. Wow. Uh, Riley, any thoughts? Are you coming for his spot as co-host on the Sleepers podcast going forward? I would say, you know, at least have that on your radar. Because, you know, in my opinion, the biggest disappointment is when I see a man with a globe in his background, that comes with certain standards. You know, to me, that tells that tells me you're a man of culture, a man of taste, and to show up 30 minutes late when you got a globe in the background, like it's it's disappointing. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, that Col- hurts. That hurt. That hurts even more. Culture and taste, I think, do apply to Carter. Principles, clearly not. We're gonna have to revisit this. We'll have to see. Uh, any quick ratings on Oppenheimer? We talked Chris for Nolan briefly while you were gone. Oh, you did. Oh, it's good. I don't know if it's like mind blowing, like people say. Like it was a, it was a good movie. The bomb blows up. Handsome yeah, guy, like, handsome guy blows up a bomb. I assume. Yeah. The most interesting part of it to me was honestly afterwards, like I could just dive in and into more Oppenheimer. I guess like I just like watched a couple YouTube videos, went over the Wikipedia page, but like the actual movie was just it was it was good. I'm also cooking up a nickname for AJ Hogard called Wappenheimer. Any thoughts? That's kind of fire. It's kind of, I mean, he goes by WAP and he tends to blow things up. So, uh, all right, let's move is he, on. Is he a communist? R3 loaded NEO says, what if Carlos Alcaraz went up against a younger, more disciplined Nick Kyrgios? Who would you guys take in that one? Impossible hypothetical because there's no such thing as a more disciplined Nick Kyrgios. Uh, I would take Alcaraz against any tennis player that's ever lived, though. Zuko LOL says Illinois plays Marquette, Florida, Atlantic, and Tennessee. Any chance they win any of them? Yeah, definitely. Definitely a chance. Car, how many of those three games do they win? Uh, they win one. Riley? One. I'll say two. I think Illinois usually is better in the non-con than they are in the conference, at least last two years. So I'll say two. Terrence James, TJ, says, Greg, considering my parents live less than 10 minutes away from you. What route are you taking and how fast are you driving to get to South Bend in 45 minutes? 45 minutes, 90 minutes, same thing in my eyes, to be clear. Uh, I did map it last night. It is 90 minutes, exact same thing. I stand by my statement that South Bend is 45 minutes away. Zachary Stewart, 3951, says start bench cut. Derek Walton, Xavier Simpson, senior year future version of Doug McDaniel. I love this question. Riley, let's go to you first on this one. Man, I'll cut Xavier Simpson. I I don't want to watch the hook shot. Next question. <laughs> Who do you start? Who do you start between Doug, Sorry, Doug and Walton? Say, uh, I'll go Walton just because he's proven and Doug is still kind of like conjecture at this point. Hart? That, I don't know, but that was so easy to bench Xavier Simpson. Was that supposed to be a hard question? I think, I think on paper it maybe is, but like it's not that hard. Like Xavier Simpson gets benched every single time. Only one of these three guys started at point guard on a national championship runner up. Uh, he was the winningest player of these three guys, and he is also the one that I'm cutting. It's just not fun to have Xavier Simpson be your point guard. No offense. Derek Walton, you start. Doug, you bench. Doug could be really good by the end of this, by the way. I'm still buying Doug's stock. Chef Khan says, who's winning in a boxing match between you two? If we're being completely honest, Carter would destroy me. No, I mean, with today's current state, I might not wake up for it. <laughs> I guess the only thing that gives me any hope is that I think Card is too much of like a happy, nice guy in person. Like, if we're just talking punches thrown between you and I, I think I've punched you in the shoulder like 20 times and you've probably punched back maybe twice. So there is a world where like if I knew that I needed to punch you and you didn't know it was coming, I could win. But if we're like lining up to put gloves on, you would destroy me. 
those two punches that I had against you, you felt those too. I like, did. I feel like you remember exactly when I punched you. I could tell you exactly where we were, the time of day, my friend. Ulamog says, who the fuck is Riley? You should get rotating Big Ten podcast guests on Friday. The first being that 200 columns guy. Carter would walk circles on him. First of all, redacted, please. Please uh, know what we can talk about on the show. Second of all, uh, put some respect on Riley mother effing Davis's name. Okay. This man is the most handsome podcaster east of the Mississippi. He's Chapel Hill Tate Frazier. And yeah, that's a shot at Tate Frazier because he's from Chapel Hill himself, supposedly. Okay. Uh, we love Riley Davis. Put some respect on his name. That boy from Illinois. Hey, final wait, 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 wait. I got to I gotta weigh in for a second and just say, I love it. I love that we have haters. So you can move on to the next comment. That's now you're officially indoctrinated into the sleepers podcast. When you say you love your haters, that boy from Illinois says, what is the origin of names like Boudarius Bowie and Joseph Jamal Hauser Carter? I'm glad you're here for this one. You know, there's a certain amount of players that when you watch them, they, they earn nicknames. We don't give nicknames out on sleepers and Boudarius. I was hundred percent convinced that his full name was Boudarius but I was already way too deep in to go back on it. And Joseph Jamal, he doesn't just deserve a normal middle name, okay? His name can't be Joseph Andrew Hauser. Like, it cannot be that. It's Joseph Jamal, the guy who saved us, the guy who beat Davidson, the guy who picked us up and put this program on his back and consistently averaged 14 points and eight rebounds a game as a whole school hated him. He deserved that nickname. And that's why he's Joseph Jamal. That's why he will forever be Joseph Jamal to me. And he earned that nickname. It seems like the common thread between guys you give nicknames like that too are like underappreciated guys. Like I would I would consider Budarius and Joseph Jamal both guys that the nat- national consensus is like, who cares? But you and I are like, this guy is incredible. Is that fair? 100%. 100%. Okay. All right. Thanks for the comments. That was a great day. Comment section. Great week from the comment section. Uh, We're going to move on for the sake of time because once again, we started 15 minutes late and Carter still wasn't here at that point. We have 19 minutes to get through Riley's three segments today. Riley, where are we going first? Yeah, we're going to start with the 2024 Wooden Award odds uh, because this is a tweet from Brendan Marks with The Athletic. He shared this yesterday that Bet Online AG, I don't know if they released their odds or if they just became public or if he just happened to notice them. But I want to talk about this list. And we have Zach Eady. I don't know. Did y'all happen to see this list by chance? No. I did. I did. I'm you Googling, want me to go it. Googling it. You want me to go over it for you, Greg? Yeah, just give it a rundown real quick. Yeah, Zach Eady's plus 175, Hunter Dickinson, seven to one, Kyle Filipowski, seven to one, Armando Baycott, 16 to one, Max Acemus, 22 to one. Don't laugh. Donovan Klingen, 25 to 1. Umar Ballo, 25 to 1. Tyler Kolick, 25 to 1. Caleb Love, 33 to 1. Isaiah Collier, 33 to 1. RJ Davis, 40 to 1. And I'll add that Tyson Walker is also 40 to 1. Wow. All I got to say, I got, I, I got, I got, I got real quick things to say about this. First of all, I know you all seen that picture of like the uh, army people, and then like there's that one clown, like five, five people back in it. And just, you know, that one guy doesn't belong. I want to know who slipped Caleb Love into this list. That's insane. And to be honest with you, I did not know that this list was that bad, to be honest with you. Like, if you want to know why sometimes we call college basketball a cook product, like, come on now. Tyler Kolick, Umar Balo, like, what are we doing here? My the favorite odds, that- my favorite odds on that list, to be honest with you, might be Donovan Klingon. That's maybe, exactly what I was going to go Maybe even R.J. Davis, to be honest with you. But some of the other ones on there are disgusting. Klingon has the same odds as Tyler Kolick, and Umar Ballo is insane to me. And lower than Max Acemas. Like, I know Max Acemas had his moments, but, like, I mean, was that Texas team last year, like, conducive to, to one guard who's putting up numbers? He's making a big jump to the Big 12, too. Like, the fact that he's higher than Klingon, who – I mean, you have the archetype to go on with what Sonogo did last year. That was kind of the most egregious thing to me. So, man, I have a lot of thoughts. First of all, I'm I'm starting to think cooked is too kind of an adjective to use to describe college basketball. I'm starting to think this is like, like if you bought some fruit and just stuck it in your fridge and then like three months later opened it up, that's what's this sport is to me right now. It's not cooked. It's just like spoiled rotten. 
everybody on that list is not a, a national player of the year candidate, except for one and a half names. You just spoke to the half one. Uh, but I want to I want to speak more to the ethos of this. OK, the first three names on that list that aren't Zach Eady are big men who have been purported to be first team All-American big men for two straight seasons each and haven't been. OK, how many times are we going to fall for this? Like Hunter Dickinson is not the national player of the year. Armando Baycott is not the national player of the year. I'm sorry. They're good college basketball players. They have zero. There is a 0% chance world where either of those guys is the national player of the year this season. Sorry, Riley. It's true. Uh, Here's why. Because another name last season you could have put in the mix with those guys was Trace Jackson Davis. Trace Jackson Davis made the leap that these two still need to make where he went from really good to like, oh my God, he's incredible. And he still wasn't even in consideration next to what Zach Eady was last year for National Player of the Year. There is no world where any of those big men on this list are better players than a healthy Zach Eady. Now, the one half guy who could, maybe he's something that good is Donovan Klingon because we don't know. We haven't seen it happen. Uh, and we saw him look awesome in 10 minutes a game, 10, 15 minutes a game. What, what does he look like in 35 minutes? If UConn's incredible top five team and he's the face of it, then yeah, sure. Maybe there's a world where he is literally Zach Eady, but a little more fluid on the perimeter. I don't know. I wouldn't bet on it. I think Zach, you said plus 175 for Zach Eady. Yep. That's the steal of the century. Is it not cart? Like <laughs> I we're getting plus money on Zach Eady. That is crazy. But I, I do want to say last thing on this. You say that Hunter Dickinson might be a bad bet. I, as much as it pains me to say this, I oh, do stop see a it. world. Stop. I'm, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. I see a world where Kansas is like one of the best teams in the country. And Hunter Dickinson has the best stats on Kansas. And That's... they give him player of the year like that. There's a world where that happens. No, yeah, not. that's my that's my exact argument, too. Although I will say, like, because I, I was thinking that, you know, Kansas, I think, will be one of the, I don't know, three to five best teams in the country. But there hasn't been a Kansas big man to win National Player of the Year. Am I for, I guess Yudoka Azubuke. I don't I know he was like the last big, big man to put up huge numbers there. But even on that team, it was like, is it is it Azubuke's team or is it Devon Dotson? Like, who's the best player on that team? Um, I will say on this Kansas team, there's no really clear-cut guard who I think could sort of take any of that Hunter Dickinson shine unless you're a big Nick Timberlake guy. Dewan uh, Harris. So, Dewan Harris. Yeah, but Dewan Harris is going to average like seven points and six assists. He might be better than that. I mean, he might, he might be like an eight-assist game guy, ten-points guy, which obviously isn't great. But, like, I made this argument to Goodman. I did the Kansas offseason grade video the other day. If Kansas is serious about being the best team in the country, Hunter Dickinson can't be their best player. Like I, this goes back to what I said to you, Cart, three years ago. A team that Hunter Dickinson is the heart of, the best player of, the leader of, is doomed. It is what it is. If he's the second best player, he just needs to come up and be talented, then great. And maybe that works next to Dewan Harris. Maybe Dewan Harris has a leap and he's this awesome leader, one of the best point guards in the country. Might happen. But like there is no world. I'm sorry. There is no world where Hunter Dickinson as Hunter Dickinson is the national player of the year, guys. Like, he might be the most talented player in the country. That's very fair. But it, it he's not disciplined at all. Like, he's going to have nights where he just totally doesn't show up or he's in costume instead of in uniform. Or, like, like Carter could win every podcasting award on earth if he wanted to, but he's going to sleep through an alarm and show up 40 minutes late. That's Hunter Dickinson. Like, let's not pretend he can win national player of the year. Can't happen. Card, you got to come on Monday's show. Are the, and are the I, shots at me going to end after this episode? Is it going to keep going? It's got to go for at least another week, right? I think you got to earn it back. Like, I, I don't know if okay. you got to earn it back That's in fine. five minutes or in five days. We'll see. Yeah. Um, all right. All right. Any Anything else on National Player of the Year? Okay. If you had to place one bet each, if we had one bet we're individually allowed to place, I'm hammering Zach Eady plus 175. What are you guys betting? Tyson Walker. <laughs> I'd go. I'd take that Klingon bet at twenty-five to one. Okay, crazy. I might have to open a book. I'll gladly take that action from you too. That's insane. Okay, moving on, Riley. What do we got for number two? All right, second second topic for today: Australian wing Johnny Furphy, probably reclassing to twenty twenty-three. And I know, I think y'all have touched on this before, but at this point in the offseason, I think a lot of teams sort of get portal eyes, you know, when they have 
an open scholarship or two and a late name enters the portal. It's like, you know, you get those portal eyes where it's like, oh, this dude is way better than than he actually is. Examples in the past would be Paul Mulcahy, Jose Perez, guys who enter late and immediately start commanding attention from, from all these blue blood type programs or top 10, top 15 type programs. Furphy is not necessarily a portal guy because he's a high school kid, but I think there's a little bit of portal portalized going on. But most recently, Eric Bossy had a report that that was saying that both Kansas and UNC are trying to get this dude on campus for the upcoming season. I sent y'all Johnny Furphy highlights. You saw the defensive tools on display. You saw his shot. But I just want to hear your your impressions of what you watched because I think as he sets up official visits in the next coming weeks, he's probably going to get some headlines just because I know Duke has been looking at him as well. Just some of the programs who have, who have entered the ring for his services. Cart, go ahead. Is, is, he's Australian, correct? I just want to make sure on that. Correct. Okay. Well, he's Vegemite Matthew Meyer then. That's exactly <laughs> who he is. I'm, I'm dead ass serious. He even has the mullet to go with it. Uh, he's got, I mean, I was impressed with the highlights. I've heard a lot about him. Um, I haven't heard a lot about him from the likes of Sean Paul, which means he's really, really good in my eye. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> I, I, I truly think that I don't know if this is a guy who I see why guys are in for him right now. I think it's more so, and you might've actually said this though, Riley, but for me, it's right now with the state of the portal, it's you either got guys like Jose Perez or you got guys like John Furphy. If John <laughs> Furphy was trying to get into college at like the start of recruiting at the start of the portal. I don't know if everyone would be in an uproar to get him like they are now, which is like Greg pointed out yesterday, pretty smart waiting to, you know, maybe go into college or waiting to get into the portal can work out in your favor. Sometimes. I don't know if this is a guy who like tips the scales as far as like, you know, you're a top 25 team and then you boost yourself automatically to the top 10. But I think he's a good player. I truly his game actually does remind me of Matt Meyer. And I don't want people to take that as a negative because Meyer actually has a lot of game. He's just nuts. So, yeah, like, isn't isn't Matthew Meyer game in normal brain like a very good player? Is, yes. that, is that high praise? Is that where we're going? It's, with in, in, instead, of, instead of caffeine, he subs it in for whatever they eat down under. Shout out to Dimers. Yeah, my Australian friends uh, claim they have great coffee down there. I don't know, so we we might Blo- need blooming onions that. and Foster's Foster's beer. That's, that's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> yeah, he's he's out outback steakhouse, Matthew Meyer. <laughs> I I'm curious what Riley thinks because his team is after Furphy. Um, my my quick stance is just like the tape's fine. There was nothing I watched on tape that like makes me skeptical of him other than the tape that I was watching. Like anytime it's one of these international dudes that like all we have is like the NBA Academy games to go off of. Like, I just think whether they look awesome or don't look awesome, it's not a lot to go off of. I'm more interested in his list at this point. Like I, I I think it's kind of a cop out to do what I'm doing, but like if North Carolina, Kansas and Duke are after him, I trust that somebody has discovered something good here. Whereas like with Yusuf Kayat, I forget who Michigan was up against last year, but it was kind of like they found this gem and there was only one other suitor for him. And it wasn't Kansas or Duke or North Carolina. Um, now I will say in general, Cart's probably going to hate this. I'm out on anybody named Johnny in general. I think it's an immature name. Like just go by John, uh, Johnny Davis, Johnny Juzang, I think tricked people. They had good individual seasons. Now they're in the NBA or quote in the NBA, like can't even barely crack a rotation. Um, I, I don't think you can find me a Johnny at the college level that went on to be anything special. So I'm out on guys who go by Johnny which means I'm out on Furphy by default. But I think part of the appeal of Johnny Furphy is that his name is Johnny Furphy uh, because Furphy is such a fun last name. And it's, you know, kind of when you, when you have the knee at the end of John, it just, it, it sort of adds to the, it adds to the appeal. It adds to like the uniqueness of that name to where it's like, that's 100% a made up name. That's not a real person to where, you know, you change to John, you, you lose some of that mystique, but uh, as far as, <laughs> I, I really hope he goes to UNC because I don't think I've seen your face light up about that, about a player in a while, Riley. You are giddy right now. Look at those rosy cheeks. You really Bro, want Johnny Furphy, don't you, buddy? I, I, I want a 6'9 wing who can shoot. And I, I think like the defensive tools look like they're there. I know Greg brought it up with the with the tape as far as like what's the competition level like. And what's funny, I kind of hinted at this when I was texting y'all, but I watched these Johnny Furphy highlights Monday morning. 
Monday afternoon, I went to the Y to get a little pickup run in. Uh, I ended up playing with some high schoolers whose whose skill levels I would say were decent. I'm a very average pickup player. I don't ask for much. I just want guys to be like somewhat competent on the out there when I'm trying to get some run in. And you know, we got a couple three on three, four on four games in. And then these players showed up from Panther Creek High School, which is down the road. It's where Justin McCoy, Justin McCoy, a five minutes a game at UNC fame, where he played his high school ball. <clears throat> and these guys show up who are wearing Panther Creek basketball and football gear, and they just proceed to run us off the court. Uh, we had this one particular Jack Harlow looking kid who was probably 17 years old who insisted on bringing the ball up. And he kept getting like half court traps every single time and would immediately get the ball ripped. And these Panther Creek guys were going in the opposite direction. And at the end, at the conclusion of this pickup game, I, I sat there thinking like, are these Panther Creek, are these Panther Creek players, are they better than Johnny Furphy's competition? Like, is, is that the level of tape that I'm looking at with these, with these NBA Academy type games? Is it just like a really good high school team over in the States? So I, I, I figured people liked hearing some about my, uh, my illustrious tennis career last week. So, you know, I thought, yeah, hey, I'll bring it back and talk a little bit about my pickup game. That's fair. Uh, I would love to watch a full game of Riley Davis pickup, by the way. Lord knows I've seen more than enough full games of Carter Elliott's men's league. Uh, he makes sure to send us tape after every single game. In fact, where's this week's tape, Carter? We didn't get anything after Monday. Well, I stopped sending it. I stopped sending it because that's the attitude about it now. I think it's becoming a little too frequent. You're getting too, too used to it. Um, so it's, it's just it's somewhere in the cloud. See, I don't think that's true. I think you probably just had a bad game Monday because if you had a good game Monday, it would absolutely be at the top of my inbox on Tuesday. <laughs> I always uh, have a good game. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Well, good to know. I'm not doubting it. Um, just make sure you show up on time. <laughs> Two things last on Furphy here uh, that are positive developments for me. One, he goes to somewhere called Center of Excellence with center being spelled R-E. I'm mm. in on that. That's mm -hmm. great. Uh, two, Carter knows this. I'm a big eye test guy. And when I say I'm a big eye test guy, I don't mean like the actual eye test of playing. I mean, I can tell whether you're good or bad based on a headshot. And Johnny Furphy's headshot looks like he's Kyle Filipowski's face put on Ben Pfeiffer's head. I'm in on that. I think that's a good basketball player. Insane comment. I think he's a good basketball player. And unless anyone has a response to that, Riley, feel free to move on to your third topic or respond to Filipowski. Cause that might be your nightmare player. Filipowski's face and Ben Pfeiffer's head. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to move on. I'm going to move on. We, Jerry uh, McCain's nails. We, we have to get both our quality and our quantity of headlines today. So I'll move on to the final topic. Hey, it's Greg here, interrupting whatever nonsense Cart and I are talking about to ask you if you knew that we do this five days a week now, Monday through Friday, you can find the full video episodes of every episode of the Sleepers podcast on our YouTube channel. You can also listen to them wherever podcasts can be listened to. Please like and subscribe, though, because we're kind of trying to make this a more real thing. And we don't really make any money off of this right now, which uh, is not ideal. So, yeah, thanks for watching. Hope you enjoy this. And let's get you back to the show. And that's going to be Chad Ochocinco. I'm, I'm going to take us home with some football talk because I don't know if you all saw this, but on Twitter yesterday, I had multiple people on my timeline talking about Chad Ochocinco into the Bengals ring of honor, which brings the question, one, do we care? Two, do you care about your personal favorite teams, the Lions for y'all, Bucks for me? Do you care about the Ring of Honor slash do you have any thoughts on Chad Ochocinco uh, as we look back? You know, we kind of that was our formative years when he was popping off with Carson Palmer. Just wanted to start a discussion on that. I mean, I personally love Chad Ochocinco. I always have. Uh, if he I mean, he's the ultimate shit talker and that's exactly who I am. So I've modeled my antics after what Ocho Cinco did, I could absolutely care less about the Cincinnati Bengals ring of honor and or ring of honor of my, even my own football team, the Detroit lions, Riley. I feel like you really take the Tampa Bay bucks ring of honor to heart. Like for some reason, like they haven't thrown, I don't even know. I can't even think of some famous bucks player in there. My at you at night. Like I like Natalie looks over at you and you're like, she's like, what's wrong, Riley? And you're like kind of curled up in your bed. He's like, oh God, like I just can't believe Shaq Bear is not in the ring of honor yet. Like, <laughs> like things like that bother you, I feel like. 
I don't really care about the Buccaneers Ring of Honor. I, I appreciate the visual, but I will say John Gruden was in the Bucks Ring of Honor, and after he said a lot of racist and homophobic stuff, he got removed. So good move by the Bucks. But that's been our most recent uh, Ring of Honor story. I, I like Chad Oshosinko. I just I think that's my only take here. I I don't know that I care about like a post career legacy award stuff in general. Uh, I love Chad Ochocinco as a guy and as a player. Uh, I do think it's a little ridiculous. He actually went by Ochocinco and the world allowed him to do that. Like we all should have just collectively said no on that and been good on that. But um, I also think he like, like I feel like he could have still been very good in the league for a few more years than he did. And instead he just wanted to like, play fans in FIFA and start being an influencer before influencers were a thing. So I don't know. I have, I have a weird, like what, what is, what do I do with that legacy? Like, did he ever win anything? Great player, but did he ever win anything? No, he's, just, he's just, he's just a great guy. who's good about my, honestly, outside of the athleticism and things like that, you kind of give me Ocho Cinco vibes, G. Cause I feel like you're okay at everything. Like you're good at that. You're good at some things, but you're also like, okay at everything. Like you're okay at tennis. You're okay at golf. You're okay at basketball. You're, I mean, any. You're okay at pickleball. You're okay at cornhole. That's kind of like Ocho Cinco, except he's just like an athletic freak. Actually, I'm gonna take that as an extreme insult, and also note that you are not okay at very many things. The but hell? Appreciate that. Thank you. I didn't think it necessarily was an insult. I kind of took it as I. just like it's basically like you're you're the good possession receiver who can occasionally break off like a 50 yarder of podcasting that's, yeah, that's a I, good place to be that's still a ring of honor career yeah i think Sleeper, it, sleepers it, ring of honor i might have to just stop stop bringing dudes with me on my 50 yarders then we'll see i don't know i i had one more note on ojo cinco do y'all remember so I, I feel like he sort of came up um during the heyday of mtv reality shows which which were a thing when we would have been like middle school, maybe early high school. Do you remember that show he did with T.O. called T.O. Chosinko where they were like looking for love? It was basically like a bachelor type show for both of them. I'm convinced you made that up on the spot. I swear it's real. I swear it's real. I'll send you a trailer for it because it's full of like be real footage of them making one handed catch catches. And it was it was a (laughs) hilarious watch. It was (laughs) <laughs> what what channel was this on was this like a vh1 special i think so it was either mtv or vh1 it was one of the two sounds I like didn't VH1. To, i didn't i didn't do cable i was trying to make it to the league how that's that the biggest lie i've ever heard i don't think that cart was a no distractions kind of guy in high school zero zero dark cart it wasn't getting me to the league i wasn't doing it what were the activities you did that got you to the league pack my own lunch Read, went home. Reading helped you get to the league? Well, I didn't make it, so obviously it failed. Remember the year you had a New Year's resolution to read a book every week? Uh, no, it wasn't read a book every week. It was read 10 pages of a book a night. Oh, yeah, sorry. And also year was the wrong word. I meant like two weeks. My bad. Um, all right. Fun fun show today, everybody. <laughs> Thanks. I had a blast. Riley, any final thoughts for us? Actually, we, we have to do our one big thing uh, presented by Bigby. Bigby, uh, where you can get a coffee that it, it effectively wakes you up to be on time for things in the morning. Uh, shout out to Bigby. We love Bigby here at the Sleepers Podcast. Riley, go ahead and lead us off. What's your one big thing today? Yeah, my one big thing is uh, environmentally friendly pest services are overrated. Taking care of the earth is overrated, is overrated, especially when it comes to the bugs in North Carolina, because uh, my wife and I, we got a recommendation for this service of a of a man who calls himself. Well, I, I'm redacting his name, uh, but to, to take care of a mosquito problem recommended to us by our neighbors, like everybody in the neighborhood has used this guy. He comes, I don't know if he sprays like some mixture of vinegar and water on all of our plants or something, but as soon as I go out, whether it's just to like throw the ball to my dog or to grill or something, I get eaten alive by mosquitoes. So I am out on environmentally friendly pest control services. What a shot. Like poor guy. He's going to find the guy he just serviced is on a podcast and listen to that. He absolutely mortified. Uh, Riley, just so you know, uh, crazy invent. It's this thing. It's a spray. Actually, it's called off. It's a it's bug spray. Just good. 
then you're smelling like off literally the rest of the day. You're smelling like off the rest of the day, and you're feeling it's like all sticky. Like, no, thank you. I will pass on off unless I actually absolutely need it. Okay, that's such a first world problem. I just heard a mosquito guy that comes and sprays vinegar everywhere to get it. Okay, anyways. My one big thing is that timeliness is next to cleanliness. Make sure you're on time. Don't be that guy that shows up late to places, okay? Especially at my big age. Like, I know, like, some people go through a phase where, like, in their younger days, there's those guys that never show up on time or those guys that show up late and they think it's okay because it doesn't really send that much of a negative effect across things. But being on time is definitely something that you should take pride in. And it's something that I should take pride in. And I typically do try to take pride in. So that's all. Okay. And my wife just laughed in the background as I said that. That's crazy. But okay. Yeah, that's it. Noted. What do you have next up on your day today, Kari? Like what's, where do we go from here? Probably gym and then work. Okay. So gym, not necessarily like time sensitive with gym. Like you don't have a deadline to get to there. Do you have like a meeting today at work? Anything you got to be in by a certain time for uh, I do got to call at noon. Okay. So you got some time. You got a nice little jump start there. I, I think you can go two for two on those. I really do. I hope so. Yeah. I'll give you some credit there. Um, all right. Where do I want to go with this one? I don't really feel like I have a prepared one big thing today, which is unfortunate. Um, I'm still upset about that one comment that threw some shade at Riley Davis, to be honest. I thought Riley gave an A-tier effort today. It's impressive stuff. Uh, I would just throw this out there. It's been quite a week, Cart. Uh, earlier in the week, you know, we we had a little adversity here at the Sleepers podcast. And, um, you know, you, you actually made the correct comparison between me and the Michigan State point guard, A.J. Hogard, before the adversity. You said, sometimes I just got to get myself going. Sometimes I need some intangible things to happen to get myself going. Sometimes I need to get a little pissed off. And then we get a little adversity card. And then we get some people coming after our name, our livelihood, everything we've built, everything we do. The haters and the doubters were in full force this week, Cart. You know, we had to regroup a little bit. We had to consider our course of action. Of course, we did that. Get through it. Fine. Okay. Then we have a slow day yesterday, slow sports day, kind of concern. Yeah, what's going to happen? Who knows? Who knows? All right. Then behind the scenes, what people don't know, Cart, we're working. I just want to say that we're working. Okay. People might not know that, but there's behind the scenes momentum. There's motion happening right now. Okay. And then you show up today, Cart. Then you show up today, my co-host, my lovely co-host. I love my co-host. Has the audacity to show up 30 minutes late and tell me I'm average at everything. I mean, that's, I that's what happened good. today. I said you were that's good what at happened everything. Today. So here, I just want everybody to know. I want everybody to know because you're right. Sometimes I got to get myself going. I'm going, okay? If anyone had any concerns, I'm going. There's not a chip on this shoulder. There's a crack, motherfucker, and I'm going. That's what I got for the week. Riley Davis, thank you for being here. We love our Riley Fridays. Carter Elliott, uh, thank you so much for showing up today. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, you can get the Sleepers podcast anywhere the podcast can be found. Apple, Spotify, the YouTube channel as well. You can watch the video versions. Leave a comment there. We will start Monday's episode reading the comments from this very show. Have a great weekend, everybody, and we'll see you next week.